You'll all be happy to know that I have two very happy goats living on the other side of the hill that I look at out of my office window as I sit and make these podcasts. The hill goes on to climb up and becomes a small mountain. Mama and Razzie live on the other side. They have two steep fields and their barn. They spend a lot of time out picking grass. They also like to stand at the fence on the top where they can look down about 250 yards to our place and see if Sammy and I or Dawn are out and about. One of the reasons that they're happy is that two days ago, I removed Billy. I brought him back to Manny's fields. Billy did not like it when he saw me waiting with a rope, even though I had carrots in my other hand. He knew that I'd throw a lasso around his neck and lead him out of the promised land. No more two square meals a day of cracked corn and grain. No more snacks of celery, apples, sweet potatoes, carrots, or whatever. No more life with two docile female goats that he could push around and do whatever he wanted with. No more dry, secure barn to sleep in out of the weather. He reared up at me as I walked up with the noose. But he did want the carrot that was on the other side of it, so much that he eventually stuck his head through. And with Dawn holding open three different gates for us, I led him down the hill into his old quarters. Fifteen cows and calves and six young rams as roommates. Mom and Razzie now have tranquility. Billy doesn't butt them around and sniff at them and harass them at will. Goats love hay, but contrary to what most people say, they're finicky about what they eat. For the last couple of years, I've been feeding them local hay, cut from the grasses in North Carolina, orchard grass, fescue, red clover, Bermuda, that I buy around here. One day I went with Clifton and helped him trim his Fred Ted's very tall holly shrubs. He paid me in bales of hay, field grasses. These goats ate different types of hay, but they never really liked them. No matter how much I fed them in their hay rack, half of it would end up on the ground. They just spit out stems and pieces they didn't like. Oh, and if any hay ever fell on the floor, even if it was clean, goats won't touch it at all. They just leave it at the bottom of the rack. What they really like, said Clifton, is alfalfa hay. Where do I get some? I don't see it around here. It's hard to find in these mountains. It's too wet here and not hot enough. Not enough sunshine. Before it's dried on the ground, it's rained again. And if you bale it damp or wet, it mildews. It has much higher protein content, he said. You don't have to feed them as much. So I look for alfalfa hay. I asked people. I looked on Craigslist. I checked North Carolina's Department of Agricultural Hay Alert website. There was nothing close. And it was all expensive. I finally found alfalfa hay in 50-pound bales not far from here. Beautiful hay. Not cheap. 
I told you some time ago that I grew up in California in the San Joaquin Valley on a dairy. My dad was very proud of his animals, 100% purebred Guernsey cows, and he was particular of what he fed them. He had about 40 acres planted in alfalfa. He'd mow that and feed it fresh to the animals in troughs outside. They found it very tasty. He'd feed them a big scoop of grain mixture. It included barley, wheat, sorghum, corn, and of course, cottonseed meal. It had some molasses for a flavor boost. They got an individual scoop twice a day in the milking parlor. It made them happy to come in and share their milk with us. The last thing he fed was alfalfa hay in the wintertime. We had a huge hay barn. He'd buy truckloads of that hay in the summer, and he and Anton would throw it bale by bale on a conveyor belt, which would carry it up in the barn to be stacked. Thousands of bales of alfalfa hay. Man, it would be worth a fortune here in these mountains. So I found this beautiful alfalfa hay locally, although it wasn't grown here, probably grown in Texas or maybe Tennessee. I bought enough bales to get us through the winter, but I couldn't feed it to Mom and Razzie because Billy would not let him get near their hay rack. He'd butt them, bang them, force them to leave the barn and eat it all himself. That's the second reason they're so happy now. They get delicious, fresh, fragrant, tasty alfalfa hay twice a day after their ration of sweet goat feed. They eat this hay up, all of it. You don't find a single stem on the ground. I do feel a little sorry for Billy. He stands at the fence watching Sammy and me drive by on the mule to feed his former companions. He may be thinking, gosh, I didn't appreciate how good I had it for those two months. Maybe if I'd been nicer, I could still be there. Nah, he's a stubborn old billy goat. He doesn't do any reflecting on his life. Hello, folks. This is Ernie Johnson, founder of Anashira, the maker of the finest soaps you can find. Handcrafted soaps made with the milk of those two very contented goats, Mama and Razzie. The soap is easy to buy. Just go to our website, anashira.com. Place your order and we'll have it out to you or your friends in a jiffy. Don't forget to claim your discount. Enter discount code STORIES. That's S-T-O-R-I-E-S. And you'll get a 15% discount. And when you order more than $50 worth, you'll get free priority mail shipping. If you're stressed out by these winter storms, I'll tell you how to calm down. Climb into a hot shower with a bar of my luxurious soap. Work up a thick lather and you'll feel that tension wash away. Let's see. I left you all hanging some time ago, sitting in that cafe in the city of Palma de Mallorca on the island of Mallorca, part of Spain. Come back with me as I tell you about what we did in this episode of Stories from Anashira.
that in spring break, when I was studying in West Berlin, six of us drove to Spain in an old VW bus. We took a ferry to the island of Mallorca, one of the four Balearic islands in the Mediterranean. We were sitting outside at a cafe in a beautiful square, the Plaza Santa Fe. We've been there about an hour. We nursed our cups of coffee. Helbert says, Okay, what do we do next? Yes, said Mary. This place is a little expensive for our budget. Well, Jose Otero, always a man with options, said, You know, we're a short ferry ride away from the island of Ibiza. My friends say it has many hippies since the last year. They say it is a haven of peace and love on the edge of Franco's suppressive state. They say the beaches are topless or even nude and nobody cares. Herbert and I immediately had the same thought. Das hört sich sehr gut an, he said. Yeah, sounds great, I agreed. We all hit the hay early and we're on the first boat the next day to the port of Ibiza. While we were on the boat, we talked about where we'd stay. Jose said he'd work on it when we got off the boat. We arrived in Ibiza town. Jose got everyone settled in a cafe, and he said he was off to explore. Did Herbert and I want to go along? Yeah, sure. Ibiza then was nothing like it is today. An island with under 20,000 inhabitants. There were plenty of hippie types out in the main squares. We heard guitars strumming, some singing. Jose had the name of a local man who had a bar. We found the place and they had an animated conversation. He turned to us at one point and said, this guy hates Germans because of their alliance with Franco. I told him you're all Americans. Yeah, okay. He has a farmhouse in the hills outside of San Rafael. We can catch a bus and ride up there. It's very rustic. He says it's perfect for hippies. So, just like that, we rented it, cash in advance, for a week. We got back to the cafe and Jose said, Come on, we can catch a bus to the town of San Rafael. It's a short walk from there. So, what is this place? What are the alternatives if we don't like it? said Mary. Well, there are none, said Jose. I've already paid in advance for a week. A week? What if it's a dump? Well, you can always go down and stay with the hippies on the beach. So we rode up to San Rafael. It didn't take long. It wasn't much of a town. It had a bar, restaurant, a church, and a couple of stores. It did have a nice view of the town of Ibiza in the ocean. We left it and walked up a small mountain on a narrow country road. On the way, we see a man working a field. He's working with a horse pulling a plow. I had no idea that this island was so backward. Das ist doch sehr primitiv, said Andrea. Yes, it is primitive. It's a hard life for these people, said Jose. What about the house, said Mary? I hope it's more modern than this farm. 
I can't tell you much. I don't know, he said. It's supposed to be un sitio rustico, a rustic place, whatever that means. How do we get in? Do we have a key? Nah, he said we didn't need one, Mary. We finally found the place, an old farm. The road, really a cart path to the house, was about 50 yards long. We walked out into a yard with a panoramic view of Ibiza City in the ocean. The house itself? Yeah, very rustic. There's no electricity, said Mary. There's no running water, said Andrea. Yeah, but it does have three rooms with beds, said Maria. And look, said Hebert, it has a wood stove with a stack of split wood in the kitchen. Jose called from the patio off the kitchen. Well, it has this well. Let's try the water. He pulled up a bucket attached to a rope and a wheel. The water was clean and it was cold. Seems okay. So that was where we stayed for seven days. We had plenty of pots and pans and enough utensils. We walked down to the town for supplies, coffee, wine, bread, cheese, Spanish chorizo, olive oil, and eggs. We established a couple of rules. Whoever complains about the food makes the next meal. Okay. If you make coffee, make enough for everyone. Okay. If you heat water to clean, put a pot of water on the stove when you're done for the next person. Sounds good. We were looking forward to lying on the beach in the sun. I expected to see lots of partly naked hippies frolicking in the waves. But I forgot. It was still the end of March. The temperature never got out of the 60s. One dive in the water was enough for me. We spent a lot of time reading, talking. Mary talked a lot about a hot shower and a modern bathroom. Herbert and I wondered if we could manage to stay until summer. We did drink a lot of sangria, a good way to get our daily ration of fruit, apples, pears, oranges. We'd go down to the market in Ibiza City and buy fresh seafood. Jose taught us how to fix chipirones. Those are baby squid. He made a batter of flour and water and would fry them in a skillet of hot olive oil. Delicious. If we didn't feel like going out or cooking, we'd eat bowls of aceitunas, olives, and sausage. Ibiza historically, even into the 60s and 70s, was a very poor island. Subsistence farming was a way of life. When a pig was slaughtered, it had to last all year long. Half of the meat of a 450-pound hog would be set aside for sausage-making. Sobresada or butifarra. We ate them both with gusto. I believe Jose, Herbert, and I could easily still be sitting there today, eating cured olives and chunks of country bread with slices of sobresada, if we could. But before we knew it, we had to head back to the port and catch the ferry to Valencia. It was about a five-hour trip. We sat down to plan our trip back to Germany. 
we decided to take basically the same route back to Berlin. And we did a little shopping before we left, mostly for wine, breads, sausages, jamón serrano, yeah, food. We all had our fingers crossed as we left Valencia for Barcelona. Would the engine hold out? How about those old tires? Everything seemed okay. No strange sounds, no clicking, no banging, no overheating. The three of us guys did all the driving. And women didn't want to drive. We did no tourist activities on the way home. We'd been on the road for four weeks, and I was actually looking forward to getting back to school and even to cleaning carpets again. And the six of us had been so close for so long that we needed to see some new people or just no people. Now, this bus, or Kombi, as the Germans called it, was pretty simple. It had no radio. It was fortunate for us that we had spent seven days with no distractions, such as radio, television, records, even newspapers. Well, other than the widely distributed Spanish magazine, Hola. That could be called the Spanish version of people, though not as intellectually stimulating. Lots of glossy photos of the Spanish royalty, sports stars, movie stars, models. We had lots of time in that vehicle for introspection and reflection and thinking about food different from country bread and sausage. We drove up along the coast of France, passing through Montpellier. Little did I know that I'd be sitting in a cafe there three decades later, watching a French artist named James Didier draw my wife Dawn Marie, drawing her portrait in charcoal. Of course, I didn't know Dawn at that time. I didn't even know of Dawn. She was barely a teenager. We drove straight through France, although we did spend one night in Besançon and found a pension to spend the night. Of course, I had no idea that Dawn and I would also be there together later in our lives, spending a day watching the individual time trial of the Tour de France, watching Lance Armstrong annihilate the best bicycle racers in the world. It's a story for another time. We agreed that we'd make a stop in Helmstedt before we crossed back through East Germany. We got to the city, exited the Autobahn, and found our way back to the auto cemetery and found Mr. Junkyard Man. He was shocked to see us. Well, our word is good, said Herbert. We gave him three bottles of Tempranillo wine, a meaty red wine grown near Valencia, We also had a beautiful sobresada sausage for him, brought from Ibiza. He was so grateful. He invited us to come to his house for dinner and to share the wine with him. said we could stay the night. We looked at each other. So sorry, my friend, said Jose. Maybe some other time. West Berlin is calling us home. We drove on to the border of East Germany. We looked even more undesirable to the Fopos than we had a month before. They practically tore that VW apart looking for contraband. But we had nothing, and we're finally cleared to pass. We made it to Marienborn. 
the crossing point into West Berlin and then into the city. We drove to Studentenwohnheim Sigmundshof, our home. I think we each had a 20-minute long hot shower, except maybe Mary, maybe an hour. Oh, it felt wonderful. After dinner, I went down to the Bierkeller and met Herbert and Jose. My German pals Fritz and Rudy came down to hear about our adventures. We told them stories and laughed. They wish we had more stories of the hippie chicks on the beaches of Ibiza. We were well into our second or third glass of our favorite Pilsner Urquell when the DJ put on Led Zeppelin II album, which featured my favorite, Whole Lot of Love. It was played so loud that we stopped talking, focused on the music. When it was over, Fritz said, you know, Led Zeppelin is said to be coming on a tour of Germany this summer, four cities. There's a good chance he'll come to Berlin. Fritz always seemed to have the latest news. I'm going for sure, said Rudy. Me too, said Jose and Herbert. We all said we were in. And I said, well, I'm in as long as they come before I head back to the States. Man, forget the States. They'll just send you to Vietnam, said Fritz. Yeah, said Jose. You need to stay here like me. Hey, we're going to have to leave that group in its moment of fraternity. But we will come back soon to Sigmundshof. Thanks for listening to these podcasts. You can subscribe to us wherever you listen to podcasts. You can rate us or give us a review at Apple Podcasts. Those fine folks at Anashira would certainly appreciate it if you did. I want to thank our sponsor, Anashira, for supporting these podcasts. Anashira, the maker of highest quality handcrafted goat milk soaps. Oh, by the way, Valentine's Day is right around the corner. I would be remiss if I didn't remind you that one way to inspire affection from your sweetheart is to send a selection of my soaps. Audrey Hepburn was quoted as saying, I was born with an enormous need for affection and a terrible need to give it. So, send your affection with a medley of very fine Anashira soaps. Note the message you want to send with the soaps, and I'll be sure to include it with your gift. I'll even handwrite it if you request. It's been raining like crazy all day here, flooding all over North Carolina, tornadoes on the other side of the mountains. The rain seems to have let up now, so I'm going to hustle down with Sam the dog and give Mama and Razzie their supper and an extra ration of alfalfa hay. Join us again in two weeks, and I'll finish telling you of my adventures in West Berlin in the next episode of Stories from Anashira.